Today, Veterans Day, I can't think of a, a better opportunity that we have than to give God the praise and the glory for those that um, have been soldiers, those that have given up their lives, so to speak. Some of them, the years, the service, time away from family, their own personal comfort, Others have given up their peace of mind for the rest of their lives, or some even their lives. 600,000 or more in just the last 100 years alone have given their lives. I think it's appropriate today also to give thanks to our Lord God for this country that He's given to us. A country where we enjoy freedoms that few others in the course of history have ever enjoyed. A country where we have peace and prosperity. A country where we've not had a war on our soil for a long, long time. Greater love has no one than this, that someone should lay down his life for his friends. I believe it takes a great deal of love for country, for one's fellow citizens, to be able to give up their life and give their life in service to the country. So today what I'd like to do is open by having a prayer of thanksgiving to our Lord for that very thing. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we want to come to you and thank you. Thank you, first of all, for this country that you've given to us, a country with great freedoms, a country where we could live without fear a country where we have the opportunity to have a voice in our own government, that we can vote for our leaders and have an impact on the decisions that are made. We thank and praise you for our military and for the freedoms that they have fought to keep. Lord, we pray that you would keep our military safe in your care, that our, our soldiers would, would do their duties faithfully, and that you would use them as instruments of peace here on this earth. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you for our leaders. We ask you, Lord, that you would guide them, that the decisions that they would make would be the decisions that are good for the, the, all mankind, and that the greater good would be served. And Lord, we pray that they would seek out your will and your divine direction 
as they make those decisions. Lord, be present here in our country. Be Lord of this country. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. We can understand that kind of love, can't we? We can understand uh, someone who is willing uh, to give up years of their lives to serve our country. We can understand their love for the cause and for the country and for the citizens of that country that they would make that sacrifice. We can understand the love of a mother or a father as they give up their life for their children in living service, but would be willing to die for them also. We can understand a husband willing to sacrifice his life for his wife and a wife who's willing to sacrifice hers for her husband, can't we? We can understand a friend who loves so deeply that they're willing to sacrifice their love or their life for their friend. We can understand that kind of love. And folks, this love that we're talking about is exactly what our Bible passages were all about. The second one we read, the gospel reading, is one of the most beloved passages of all of Scripture. In fact, it sums up all of Scripture because all of Scripture points to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the passage says, For God so loved the world that He sent His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. So what does it look like for God to give up His Son? What did this love that God used to give His Son look like? Our second passage helps us with that. As Paul describes this love, he says, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. I want you to contemplate that passage for a little bit. Let's read it again. Can you read it with me? For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. I spent some time this week contemplating and pondering over this verse. And folks, I got to tell you, I can't comprehend this kind of love. I can understand the kind of love where a father sacrifices for his children. I can understand the kind of love where a soldier sacrifices for his country. I cannot understand the kind of love where a friend sacrifices for a friend. But I can't comprehend a love that would prompt a father to sacrifice his child. I'll be honest with you right now, I could no sooner sacrifice one of my children for anybody. I couldn't. I could not do it. I would rather die myself than to sacrifice my child. But that is what God did for you. And that child was willing to do that. 
That kind of love, my friends, is incomprehensible. The Bible passage goes on, for while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. As I was reading through that passage this week, I had to read, I did, I didn't have to, but I chose to read through it a number of times. And as I read through it, some words started jumping out. Words like, weak. and ungodly, and sinners, and enemies. When Jesus hung on that cross, He wasn't dying for good people. He wasn't just dying for His disciple and his mother who were at the foot of the cross. He wasn't just dying for the 12 disciples. He wasn't just dying for those who had followed him and listened to him as he taught and preached. As Jesus hung on that cross, he was dying for those religious leaders who had made him and subjected him to a a bogus trial where they convicted him for crimes that he never committed. He was dying for the the soldiers who had taken a hammer in their hands and driven nails through his hands and his feet, fastening fastening him, nailing him to the cross. He wasn't just dying for the good. He was dying for those that were at the foot of his cross, laughing at him and jeering him and mocking him. He was dying for those soldiers who were so callous and uncaring that they were gambling for his clothing and for the thieves that were nailed to the crosses beside him. Men that deserved to be there because they were murderers and thieves. He was dying for a Roman governor who was too weak and wary and too politically correct to stand up for what was right, even though he knew he was innocent. Jesus just didn't die for the good. He died for the the weak and the ungodly and the sinner and the enemies of God. About 55 years ago, a movie came out. It was called Lawrence of Arabia. It was about a man by the name of T.E. Lawrence, 
He was a soldier back in the early 1900s. He was a British soldier and, and was instrumental in helping the cause of the British Army in Saudi Arabia, in the Arabian Desert. A, la a lady by the name of Rita Snowden wrote a little biogra biography about him, and she told this story about T.E. Lawrence. T.E. Lawrence was uh, marching through the Arabian Desert together with a bunch of uh, Arab soldiers, and things got pretty dire for them. Besides the fact that the sun was baking them, and it was blistering hot, and the sands were blowing, stinging their faces, they soon were close to being out of food, and in the bottom of each man's canteen was just a few drops of water. They stopped to rest their camels, and suddenly one of the soldiers said, Oh, where's Yasmin? A second Arab said, Who's Yasmin? A third one said, Well, Yasmin was that uh, yellow-faced man from Mayan, the one who killed a tax collector and fled to the desert, a criminal. The first one said, but look, his camel is here, but it's got no rider. The second one says, well, somebody probably caught sight of him and shot him from, from his camel's back, and he's lying somewhere dead. The third one said, uh, he's probably too weak in the head that he's followed after some mirage out there in the desert, and now too weak in the body, he's probably dead. And then one of them said, it doesn't matter. He's not worth 10 pence. He's not worth a dime. And with that, the company got up on their camels and started marching off. Everyone except for T.E. Lawrence. He got on his camel and he turned and went back risking his own life in order to look for Yasmin. About an hour and a half later, he sees off in the distance a dark figure laying on the ground. He goes and he sees that this is Yasmin, and he was blind and mad. The desert was murdering him slowly. T.E. Lawrence picked him up, and he put him on his own camel pulled out his canteen and gave him the last few drops of water from his canteen and then began his trek back. When he finally caught up with the company of Arabs, they were surprised, they were totally amazed that someone with the stature and the rank of T.E. Lawrence would risk his life for someone worth so little. Someone they didn't think was worth a dime. Ms. Snowden, Snowden uh, said, this is a parable, folks. This is a parable of a kind of love that would die for someone that nobody considered to be good. And folks, I've got to tell you that I am so grateful for the fact that our Lord Jesus died for someone who's not good. I'm so grateful that he died for me. Because when I look at my life and my thoughts and my attitudes, even though I might do many good things outwardly, I know what's in my heart. And I know that I failed my family, I failed my wife, I failed 
my congregation. I failed people over and over again. I know that I haven't done some of the things I should have done, and I've done things I shouldn't. I know that I've hurt people with my words. I know that when I come into this place every week, I confess my sins before the cross, before this altar. And you know what? I have to come back next week and confess the same sins again. The very sins that I came and begged God to remove, I did them again. I am so grateful that my Lord God came for those that were weak and ungodly and sinners and enemies. I'm glad he came for me. Do you understand where I'm coming from? God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Isn't that good news? I was thinking about that story with T.E. Lawrence, and I was thinking about those soldiers that were amazed that he would do that, that he would sacrifice his life or put his life at risk to save someone that they thought was so unworthy of his love, of his care, of his service. I bet they started thinking, if he's willing to do that for Yasmin, who isn't worth a dime, how much more would he love those of us that were faithful? I bet they started bragging on their commanding officer. And that anybody who would listen to them, they would tell them, we have a courageous commander. One who will stand by us no matter what. One who will never let anything happen to us without giving it his, giving it his best. I bet they would follow him no matter what. I was contemplating the very last phrases of the Bible reading for today, where Paul says, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Another translation of the Bible says, more than that, we also glory in God. Another one says, not more than that, we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What's our response? We have a God who loves us so incredibly that he was willing to sacrifice his life for us, even when we disappoint him over and over and over again. What's our response? Well, we glory in him. We rejoice in him. We boast in him. We worship him. We praise him. We live for him. Greater love has no one than this, than that he lay down his life for his friend. Do you know that Jesus calls you friend? And he gave up his life for you. And now, because he calls us friend, we can call him friend. And greater love has no man than this, 
than that he lay down his life for his friend. We can lay down our life for our friend because of what he's done for us. Because he's called us friend, now we can call him friends and we can serve him and lay down our life for him. And more than that, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. We can serve one another and encourage and build up one another. We can offer God's words of love and forgiveness to each other. And as we go out in the community, we can start looking at those people the way that God looks at them as friends. And as we go into our world and we talk with our neighbors and our classmates and our, our co-workers, as we encounter people at the grocery store or the gas station or wherever we happen to go, greater love has no man that he lay down his life for his friends. Because God gives us a whole new perspective. And by the power of His Spirit, He enables us to love. So my prayer for all of us, my friends, is that our Lord would keep our eyes ever fixed on that cross and that empty grave, that we know that He calls us friends and that we can call Him friend. I pray that He will enable us to lay down our lives and love others wherever we are, in church, at home, at school, in the workplace, in the community, and that the love of Christ would shine through us as we glory in this God who loves us despite our weakness and our enmity and our sin and loves us dearly. Amen? Amen.